Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, and the match that we'll be getting into this week is 1991's Cape Fear versus 2015's Run All Night. Keenan, how are we doing today? Yeah, not so bad, not so bad. You? Not too bad at all. Um, Interesting week this week, and uh, we'll get into it. Um, well, I'm not going to say I'm sure. Well, we literally are going to get into it. <laughs> so all that, though, um, I always do the news of the week on the Monday podcast, um, one of our more popular features. So I'm going to start looking, I think, to see if there's any interesting news in the oh, movie in the world. world and I'll get your opinion on it each week. Um, so there is a Harry Houdini movie in development. And I wondered who would be your first choice to play him? Oh, that's me. So I like Rami Malik. Yeah, it's a good choice. Trying to think of what he looked like, and I just saw some of the matches. I think Malik could do that. Maybe um, not. Maybe he's a tit like a little bit too too dark skin. I'm pretty sure Houdini was fairly pale, but I think it's um, because of um, the conversations we've had the last couple of weeks that Johnny Depp has been in my head. Too old. All day while thinking about it. I mean, they've got Mark Hamill looking like a baby-faced teen these days, so you never really know yeah, what's well. possible, but. I don't want that, bro. No. No, it'll be interesting to see who they do choose or whether they... You maybe have they... play him... Yeah, he died when he was younger than Johnny Depp is now. He died when he was 50. Yeah, I think it's Universal doing it. I probably should have taken that down, but um, much like on a Monday, I'm just going down the basis of I only take the headline and uh, we glean from it what we wish. Um... Kevin Feige says that Benedict Cumberbatch is now the anchor of the MCU following the exit of Robert Downey Jr. Do you think that's the right call? People seem to like the character. Yeah, the next one looks big, this Doctor Strange one, so... Yeah, I'm a couple of... I'm, well, I'm now two or three films. I'm back to being two yeah. or three films behind, to be honest. Still not seen Black Widow. Uh, yeah, yeah, the only reason I want you to see that is so you hear... Ray Winston's Russian accent, to be honest. Uh, no other reason, really. Yeah, because the, the biggest part of it was a post credit scene that links to um, the Hawkeye TV show, so you really oh, haven't no, missed I've out missed, on much. Um, <clears throat> I've missed the last five TV shows. Yeah, there's some good ones to catch up on, to be fair. Hawkeye was fun. Um, Samuel L. Jackson says that he deserved an Oscar for his role in Pulp Fiction. Um, do you think that's fair? No, I don't think that's fair. He lost to Martin Landau for his portrayal of Bella Lugosi in Tim Burton's movie Ed Wood. I've never seen Do you think there should be more fuss about the fact that Samuel L. Jackson's never won an Oscar? Yes. Usually by this stage we get the kind of pity Oscar where effectively we know about six months ahead of time like okay this one is being earmarked to him like he can start writing his speech already we had it for leo with the revenants um i'm sure he'll get one eventually and it i'm 
almost certain it's going to be for something that is incomparable to some of his previous works. I think um, 94 was Pulp Fiction, wasn't it? Yeah, sounds about right. So, but within the 95 Oscars? I'm not too sure. Well, I'm just trying to think what else was... So, did he get nominated for Best Supporting, sorry? Yeah. Definitely not in that. Definitely, maybe it was 94. Maybe I'm wrong. I do have a question for you. Um, Once you've got to this stage, and so looking at him kind of... So he came out and made this point that he deserved an Oscar previously. So I'd imagine the hype around this is going to hype... is going to jam up a bit more. Do you know who probably deserved to win it that year? Go on. In my my opinion. Uh, It's actually neither Samuel Samuel Jackson or Martin Lander. Uh, Gary Sinise. For what? Lieutenant Dan Taylor and Forrest Gump. It's not a bad chat. I mean, I know which film I prefer, but... No, I know what film I prefer, I'm just saying. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson, if I was going to give him, like, give him an Oscar... Snakes um, on a plane. Obviously not, you deaf. Star Wars? No. <laughs> um, there's, I mean, there's, there are a few big shots. I mean, you probably could have got one for... You probably could have got one for his best supporting in Django. Mm. Unbelievable or not. Um, like, some, some of the stuff, like... A uh, time to kill. Okay. Um, well, it... And what is on? I'm trying to blush me. I'm trying to think of the name of the film. I realise I'm not taking quite a long time, but yeah, the time to kill. I probably could have got one. The negotiator. Genuinely, probably could have got one. Great film. Well, the the question I had for you is: um, once this has kind of ramped up a bit, does it then satisfy? the demand if he gets an Oscar for say supporting role or once you've waited this long does it have to be for like best leading actor probably needs to be for best leading but yeah because like if we'd waited this long for Leo and then Leo got it for a supporting role I imagine the hype would have still been there so he still deserves one the problem is obviously he's in big big stuff now Um, biggest stuff he's in is Marvel stuff. stuff that's what I'm saying but the films he's got the films he's in now, he's just not gonna he's not gonna win one, I'm sorry. Uh, they reckon um Spider Man's gonna clean up. Spider Man at the Oscars. Well, on on track to be a top five biggest film of all time, to be fair, so they can't really ignore it. Well, I mean they definitely can't because they did it with some of the other Avengers uh, Marvel films. And finally, um I don't know if you saw, I posted this yesterday. Um, Project X actually turned 10 yesterday. Yeah, it made me feel really old. So I yeah. Just, I just ignored it. 21 Jump Street turns 10 next week as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't like that you're doing this. I don't need anniversaries no. reminding us that we're getting older. No, and I, I know I usually air out our um, kind of ideas for the podcast, like doing a Swingers podcast, Jack and Jill, etc., um, if we do do the idea where we essentially like pick a year and go through, I think I'd love to do 2012. Oh, f- such a fun year of films. Yeah, we could do that. 2012. I mean, 94, we... I'd like to do. We were both born in 94. Weren't we? Yeah, same. Yeah, we could, we could do 94, year of our birth. Although, uh, 2012 I mean... when we turned 18. Yes, yeah, because yeah, I, I had to sneak so in for not... Project X, as I've said plenty of times before, like it came out. Uh, fortnight before I turned 18. Could do 2009. Knox is a great film, you'd be when we both turned 15. Obviously, in the UK, that's so. 
film, aren't you? Um, but we are getting a bit out of ourselves because we do have quite a significant bracket ahead of us still. <laughs> Even though we are over 20 into this one, I believe. So uh, we are flying through. The first mm. film, though, that we will get into today is 1991's Cape Fear. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Gene Shalit calls Cape Fear one of the most sensational suspense movies ever made. An unremitting <laughs> portrait of evil raves Roger Ebert. Where are you from? Four stars from Us magazine. Maybe I'm the big bad wolf. A great monumental work of terror. And Rolling Stone says Martin Scorsese unleashes a series of shocks that will leave you breathless. Robert De Niro, Nick Nolte, Jessica Lange, Cape Fear. Rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. A convicted rapist, released from prison after serving a 14-year sentence, stalks the family of the lawyer who originally defended him. So, we said last week, neither of us had seen this previously. What do you think the critics thought of it? Not your opinion, but the critics. Not as good as the original. Okay. Um, well, I'll run you through, as well, as always. Uh it's a mess, really, but what a mess. Why do we call Scorsese one of the great filmmakers of his generation? Because like all the great ones, even when he fails, he fails with style and with wit. The Wrath of De Niro, especially when pitched to the level of a jangle brain Jehovah, is a mighty thing, but in this case, its inherent cartoonery capsizes the film's small story frame. Exquisitely overwrought with maximum tension and brilliant acting, especially by Juliette Lewis. Something I picked up on today. Um, would it surprise you that Juliette Lewis isn't actually named on the poster, considering the size of her role in this? No. I thought it would have been De Niro and Nick Nolte, basically. What if I tell you that Jessica Lang's name's on the poster as well? Yeah, that is quite surprising. Because I would say Juliette Lewis plays a bigger role in this. She does. She's also in like, way more of the film. I mean, she's nominated for an Oscar for this. Mm. I think she wins the Oscar, actually. And so it, uh, maybe they didn't see the well, role being received like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, probably less, probably less famous than he's only like eighteen when this comes out. Man, hmm. uh, none of the Bowden family members is made sufficiently likable for us to really worry about their fate. I did think this last night. <laughs> I could not agree more. Um, and finally, Scorsese managed to make a commercially viable thriller without sacrificing his own thematic interests and distinctive stamp as a director. So less positive than I expected because I don't know about you. I'd only ever really heard good things about this. The only ever real side note was people would usually say it's good. It's weird, but they would almost add that in as if it's part of the compliment to it. I'd never, no one had ever spoken to me about this film other than the Simpsons. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll mention that. I think TK may have watched it during the first lockdown, 
and I may have mentioned it or he mentioned it. And so that was really the the notion I had about it was just everyone tells you that De Niro is brilliant if you mention it. <clears throat> Sorry, got a frog in my throat. Um, as we've done previously, I've kind of broken the trivia down into talking points as we go through. Um, are you happy to start with De Niro? Because I do think, obviously, he's the main talking point from the film. Yeah, yeah, I'd put a So he was actually tattooed with uh, vegetable dyes, which faded after a few months, but it did save them having to reapply makeup every single time they were shooting, ensured the consistency. And I would imagine, as much as they could do it again, it may put a little fire under you that, look, if these tattoos start to fade, we've got to get a move on. Yeah, fair. I mean, quite a big commitment there are some shitty tattoos yeah but they do look like kind of stereotypical movie prison tattoos don't they absolutely yeah but the ones on his arms and stuff you'd be wanting to walk around for those few months when not on set you often people wandering around with your arms covered wouldn't you i think that was the least of his worries he actually paid a dentist five thousand dollars to make his teeth look suitably bad for the role and after filming they did such a good or bad job you could say he had to pay an additional 20,000 to have them fixed he's just so committed to the role yeah (laughs) you've not seen uh, the one thing I will note it was one of the first things I thought about last night you've not seen the air property in a few weeks very similar to De Niro and Cape Fear (laughs) no not even joking it's like I I was enjoying the the, the length but then I watched Cape Fear last night and I was like I'm going to have to go it was a step up because I do remember during the first lockdown um, you being compared to the uh, monkey boy out of the first Jumanji. To be honest, just don't, don't reference me, nothing to me. Well, we did it at the time. I think it was after one of our interviews. I think you commented on your hair and I think Jack may have made the reference. So I don't want to take credit for the insult for many reasons um no, there we the, go the style has changed now it's all we've gone back yeah I, well, I, I, personally i love it but it must have escalated because we were calling you bradley cooper a fortnight ago he's still he's still he's probably a bit longer now you see obviously that's how hair works yeah. um <laughs> but yeah it might we might reach a point where it just seems to grow I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'll review it. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it up. We need, we, on, if if we'll that's not a reason for someone to jump back on an interview with us, I don't know what is. Not let the people see their locks. Exactly. Mm. Um, yeah, Bradley Cooper had that a couple of times, but people are forgetting that Bradley Cooper is an excessively good-looking man, and I am <laughs> absolutely fucking not. Hey, look, don't put yourself down. I mean, I'm not saying you're Bradley Cooper because you want to know Jason Statham. <laughs> I was going to say, mate, there's not putting myself down and having, <laughs> having the actual audacity to compare myself to Bradley Cooper. Like, come on now. Um, so the thick accent that De Niro uses to play Max Cady reportedly gave Scorsese the creeps. Uh, once De Niro found this out, he would continually call Scorsese's house late at night and leave voicemails as Cady. Those two really are just good mates, aren't they? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Other yeah, that, or Scorsese is like telling his wife, "Look, you gotta let these things happen." He's my leading man. Yeah. I, uh, what do you think of the accent? Should we just do, drop this in now? Uh, 
it's kind of and I'm sure De Niro would be suitably insulted if I said this, but when you hear Sandler talk for the first time and that's my boy and you kind of think to yourself, is this a joke or is it going to be like this for the whole film? And then it's like it for the whole film. I thought, I'm shocking. It is so bad. I love, I, I'm, I'll go to bat for Bob, Bob, Rob De Niro any day I've got a game week. I actually think he's... I was like, you checked yourself, like you couldn't call him Bobby in that moment. No, I couldn't. couldn't but I went with Rob. It seems even worse. Don't worry, we went. So we're getting sidetracked. Um, De Niro, I would think, is up. It might be my favourite actor. But he's in two of my three favourite films. So make of that, make draw those conclusions where you will. So, um, But I think his performance is pretty solid. But the accent... He says that he had to speak in a southern accent for a role right at the start of his career. Um, so to prepare for the role this time and try and fine-tune it, he actually took excerpts of the script and a tape recorder into southern towns and would ask locals to read the lines into the tape. What lines was he asking them to read? It's like a, <laughs> yeah, like a four-minute stretch where he's just talking about rape. What the fuck? Oh, well, I imagine well, there's some lines the maybe south, in, right? earlier yeah, in the know, script. He was in the South as well, and they were stereotypically, they, they love the Christian thing, so he could have just gone to do the, the Bible bits. Yeah, the start when he's kind of uh, intimidating people. Uh, maybe you can get away with it that way. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume so. I mean, you know, can't, look, for the last 15, you, you can't really be asking to say anything, are you? So. And uh, finally, the scene where he sat on the brick wall, um, I don't know if you could tell this, he's sat in front of a blue screen, like those fireworks, I don't know if they looked a bit too crisp for you. What part of you think I ever would have noticed that? Well, I thought We've they done... looked a bit too good. Like the the There's a lot of questions about the camera work in the final seat. In the final scenes, we've so done what 172 episodes of this pod. Um, I may have aged you here. We're on, well, I think we're on 125. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, all right, well, so we've done 100 plus episodes. I have never once noticed a detail like that. What, okay. what, why do you believe that I will start now? Well, maybe I have the benefit of I then see the trivia in it in my head. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. No, I didn't even consider the fireworks, to be honest. Okay. Um, if we talk a bit about Scorsese then. So he read the original script three times while making Goodfellas, and he hated it every time. He says, the Bodens were such an annoyingly happy family that he wanted them to be miserable. And I think that may come out in the way that he shot it. The story goes that Steven Spielberg was originally set to direct he then drops out, but he calls the studio and recommends Scorsese. Uh, and Scorsese, by the way. So, so well, I don't think they would consider Scorsese to do this type of film, but he also calls Scorsese and tells him, look, you probably need to do one of these commercial films in between what you're doing, because one, this has the potential to be a hit, and also it gives you far more power for some of the films that you probably want to make a lot more that you perhaps won't be given the same budget for. So he thought it would build him up a good rapport with the studios. 
No, he's just played good for us. You, you forget he is coming off the back of that. Yeah, being played in the drama, so it's not. Yeah. Come on, like, drama, one of the best fans of all time. So also, he, he knows what he's doing. What may make a bit more sense then is um, to do uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Nah. He signed a two-film deal with Universal Pictures. Yeah. And so he did owe them a film. Um, so Cape Fear ends up being number one on the two-film deal. The other film they get out of it is Casino. So they made a lot of money off that two-film deal with uh, Scorsese just to allow him to make The Last Temptation of Christ. Which it then proceeded to absolute hemorrhage um, with The Last Temptation of Christ. So Last Temptation of Christ is before... And to do Last Temptation of Christ, he agrees to sign a two-year, two-film oh, deal sorry. for after. Oh, he put he puts them back in the in the black then. Exactly. That was uh, not particularly well received. No. Uh, in terms of casting, so Scorsese's first choice for the role of Bowden goes in with what you said last week, Harrison Ford. And I know you said you'd like to see Harrison Ford's uh, long list of rejected films. Uh, I'm glad he's not in there. He, Scorsese, reportedly peppered De Niro and told him, please just keep calling Harrison Ford and convince him to take the part. But uh, no, he couldn't convince him. I'm glad. Not because I dislike Harrison Ford. I just just can't see him being this much of a tit. <laughs> um, too gruff, isn't he? I know Nick Nolte's supposed to be yeah. as well, but I just can't, just can't physically see it. A young Drew Barrymore screen-tested for the role of Danielle but failed the audition. She called it the worst she'd ever acted in her life and the biggest disaster of an audition that you could ever imagine. Fair enough. Uh, Reese Witherspoon also auditioned for the role and was unsuccessful. And Probably a bigger career than Juliet Lewis. And Nicole Kidman lobbied for the role of Danielle, but Scorsese told her she was too old. A real twist here. So when Spielberg was attached to direct, De Niro's role, he planned to give to Bill Murray. I think he could do that, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I thought similar, and I don't know if it was in a kind of a freak show kind of way, but He's got this certain uh, roughness to him, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly is nuts, yeah. I can't think of him without thinking of Bill fucking Murray from uh, Zombieland. But... Yeah, I, I don't think he could do that. Not better than De Niro, though, I assume. No. No, no I don't think so. But I think he, he could, definitely could do it. Um. A couple of changes from in the script and uh, kind of what, while shooting. The scene in the uh, school auditorium was completely ad-libbed by De Niro and Juliette Lewis and was done on the first take. Hmm. Okay. Also means De Niro didn't actually ask before about sticking his thumb in her mouth, but she says she had no issues after the fact. That's good, I suppose. <laughs> she also says, much like her character, she says she developed the biggest crush on De Niro while shooting that scene. 
he charmed her whirling character as a uh, well rapist murderer yeah it's not great not gonna lie De Niro's got that charm about him <laughs> uh, mm, apparently so mate because that scene was originally scripted as a chase but Scorsese said he wanted it to be a seduction instead Originally, in the scene where Max put the ha- puts the handcuffs on Laurie, uh, she was supposed to start freaking out, but she came up with the idea of having her character laugh and enjoy it and play along, and Scorsese liked the idea afterwards, so uh, went with that take. Yeah. So, um... Probably does work better, the slow realisation of what she's got herself into. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It also gives an opportunity to show kind of just how twisted Max is, because yeah. if it was just a, I don't know, there's something a bit creepier about the way that he's able to lure her in rather than it just being a Maxwell flat, and then he's just like bashing her over the head, putting the handcuffs on, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah, that's very fair. Uh, yeah, so in the original scripts. Uh, Lee only met Max Cady at the end of the film. Uh, Jessica Lang thought there should be some kind of meeting between her and Max earlier in the script, so it wasn't such. A... So there was some familiarity before the climax of the film. So that's why you get that little scene of uh, him driving by the house. Uh, I think it works better. Yeah. Um, so that is that is all the trivia. Um, if we go through our thoughts. Um, what what did you think of the film? Did you enjoy it? Not really. To say the truth, it's fucking weird. <laughs> um, and it is weird. And obviously a film of this nature is always going to be weird. But I don't know. There were stretches where not a lot was going on. The accent really does do, do it. Did, <laughs> did a number on me. Um... I know it's a Scorsese film, so there's always got to be a religious overtone, but Jesus Christ, him, him whacking on about the Bible cocks with Dougie Adams. I think it's um, the worst Scorsese film but I've ever seen. I'm willing to agree to that. I think so. Yeah, I'm just not... I just... I tell you, it's hard to put your finger on. If, if I do it this way with you then, so say you were doing um, like a resolution of a sitcom in the 2000s and uh, you've got to do a pros and cons list. What would be in your pros if you were selling the film to someone? If you were trying to say, okay, these are the reasons I like it. De Niro and Scorsese. Some of of De Niro's outfits. Can you sell Scorsese in this though? Like what what are you selling with Scorsese as a pro in this? Scorsese. That's just all that is. Okay. So can you sell Lionel Messi as a, as a, as a pro oh, in any given situation? Yeah, he's Lionel Messi. I'd say it's more like uh, selling Lionel Messi in a PSG shirt currently. It it, w- it would be a tougher sell. I, I don't see Scorsese as being much of a sell in this when it's a terrible film that he's ultimately responsible for. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about selling it before or okay. even selling it after the fact. If I was trying to convince someone to watch it, Scorsese would be where I'd go to. Okay, so it's essentially to, just... To, I can't go to a lot of what, what happens no. in the film, can I? So it's more of a, look, watch it because it's Scorsese and then make your own mind yeah. up. Yeah, 
Spanish De Niro. So watch it on that basis. De Niro and credits to Scorsese for convincing him to do the role, but De Niro really does save this from being a complete complete flop. I think, and I know it it, it did well marketing wise, um, but he's excellent, isn't he? And terrifying as the kind of ex-con villain. But yeah, his his uh, over-the-top performance is probably the only thing I enjoyed in the film. Yeah, like I said, I know it sounds odd for me to be slow, like slaughtering his accent, but saying I think he's good in the film, but somehow I do. I think what he brings to it is, is enough. Uh, the, the dialogue's not good. The, the, it's no, no, clunky. Um, dozens of the decisions made by several different characters just make no sense at all. Um, the, the, the point for me where, at what point did you realise, okay, I'm I'm not really enjoying this? Not that you would tuned out of it, but there must have been a point where you kind of realised, when I talk about this film tomorrow, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it. Yeah, about 12 minutes in. Okay, so you'd make it, it could not win you over from that point onwards. Oh, pretty much, mate. Yeah, I was pretty much done. I was pretty much done with it when he, uh, when they they first meet again. Okay. So, no, it just just didn't just didn't resonate. I just didn't like it. So okay, like, I knew I had to watch. It. There was some, there were bits that I knew that happened that were coming up. I was like, it's fine. Like, I knew I knew he tried. I don't know why I knew this. But I knew Nick Nolte was going to try and have him battered. Um. And there was a fight scene in an alley. I knew the seat. I knew, obviously, I know why I know this. There's the bit in this, the bit from The Simpsons where he's tails underneath the car. Yeah. I knew that was coming. But I knew there was the bit. On, I knew there was. I knew the whole boat scene happened with him getting set on fire. In in the space of about twenty minutes, I reckon you've got the thing that may be one of the worst things in all the film, um, where someone makes their intentions incredibly clear to someone that has a secret recorder stashed where you yep. can't see it um he even repeats himself twice in this i think he's said what did you say and he says it again it's like yep. your his character is supposed to be an intelligent character in this it's supposed to be two almost well two intelligent people trying to outwit the other and in this yep. case the slightly more intelligent guy is de niro um and then yeah the hitching under the car is so so, so bad. Hard. It's about a hundred miles, I think someone calculated that he supposedly is under the car. Yeah. And then the way we can see it on the camera, the like bit, he's not, not standing me. out. <laughs> the, the bit that kills me more so is when he gets out from under the car. Yeah. That woman looking at him. She's like, oh, that's, that's not suspicious at all. <laughs> this is what I mean, like, it's not slick, is it? No. All right, um, if I saw someone climb out from under a car, like untie themselves and climb out from under a car, probably make a phone call to the police, maybe. Like, well, <laughs> don't know what's going to happen. Just saying. Maybe be careful. Oh, it's, it's so bad. Um, I mean, even the thing of uh, when he finds the body on his floor and he's like, let me get a closer look at this. Let me just take a big yeah. footstep in this puddle of blood and then the Looney Tunes start <laughs> slipping back and forth before yeah. he falls flat on his back. And then, hang on a minute, let me just pick up this murder weapon and put my fingerprints all over this gun. <laughs> I 
know. And he's a lawyer. This isn't like yeah, he he's in a sheltered he home. He has no idea this stuff. Um, refuses first of all to rather than beating up because he's a lawyer and he says I can't operate outside of the law, then goes to commit a lot of mistakes. Um, something else that when I look back, I did see some criticism of at the time, and I think it's just confused. I don't know what message Scorsese was trying to send. Um, I've seen, I think there's an interview where it says that he's trying to kind of weigh up the predator versus prey um, scenario and who's in the wrong. But there's some really weird shots of um, a young Juliette Lewis in this, who's supposed to be a 15-year-old girl. And she's in some, like, tiny clothes and they have, like, a weird, like, kind of, like, low-down shot with her dad there and her dad's telling her to put some clothes on and she's, like, grinning away at this. Um yeah. The way they kind of play her character is just strange completely because I know the point of that auditorium scene is essentially, if I'm not mistaken, supposed to be that she isn't... uh, This isn't your traditional, like he's... Well, like he does earlier in the film where he's hacking someone away this is calculated this is him going about it in a very different manner and she's not resisting it i know the grand scale of it is that he's grooming her in this situation but he's trying to almost paint it in that she could be turned by this and ultimately when they get on the boat she has that grin doesn't she when he appears for the first time yeah and i did question for a second all right is this going to be some mad like (laughs) twist and she's now going against her parents but yeah she comes yeah there's, there was some criticism of just the way that she was shot and it was like okay you are you trying to sell her as a young girl or are you trying to sell her as like a hot young like teen actress that you would traditionally have in like a slasher kind of film that this boils down to uh by the final scenes yeah yeah it just seems like really confused in its delivery. Like at the start, it's trying to be this kind of edgy um, cat and mouse back and forth with the two intelligent guys going against each other. Then very intentionally you have after all these shown that, look, I'm a changed guy. He bites a chunk out of her face and it's like, okay, this guy is a madman. Everything we believe to be true is true. But then by the end, as, uh, and I won't take credit here, you messaged me and said he turns into Freak Show from Harold and Kumar. He really does. And it really does. It was hard to take it seriously already, but when you've got this kind of Freddy Krueger style, I can't die. Like he's been burnt horrifically, gone into the water, and it's like he's just respawned back on the boat because he was able to grab a tiny bit of rope in one of the worst storms you're supposed to see and he's just back in business, back to just take everyone out. The daughter coming up with the plan for the lighter fluid um, worked well, but then as happens in like a slasher kind of film, no one has any second guess that maybe this guy might not still be dead. We don't even need to check. Let's yeah, just no celebrate one. and we're thrilled. <laughs> a lot of mistakes. A lot it's, of mistakes. Oh, 
the drowning is fucking ridiculous as well. Like, it's just <laughs> yeah. like that whole speaking in tongues, singing shit, and then just watching his eyes. His the first half of his face is underwater in like forty five seconds. Yeah. His eyes, are, his eyes are just there for like a good minute, and it's just so ridiculous. I'm not sure. I don't. I know what the intention was, but I just don't know how they. I don't know if someone's not watched that and gone, nah, that, 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 that's not the one. Do you know what this is rated on IMDb? 7.2. 7.1. Feels 7.2. strong to me. Yes, sir. I guess a perfect summary that you've already referenced is um, for a film. This a film is this ridiculous that The Simpsons literally did nothing but present an almost shot-for-shot remake of the movie, and it can easily be considered comedy. Like they don't do anything outlandish to jazz up the story there to make it humorous. It just is because it's already so outrageous. Just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's a fair point. Like if the end, if the end where he's drowning was in a comedy film, you'd be chuckling. I mean, I was chuckling. That's not as unfortunate, but like, I laughed more times than I was shocked. The cinema scene fucking breaks me as well. <laughs> I mean, that would have <laughs> I also knew that was. I also knew that was coming because of The Simpsons, but just got it annoyed me. I know uh, different times and all that. Why was? Why was it ever a thing to be able to puff away at a big cigar in a cinema like that? <laughs> like I don't understand. No, I don't know either. And I just don't. Why is De Niro just covering everyone's tab? That's like his creepy way of I'm on to you. I'm gonna buy your I'm gonna buy your meal. Yeah, it's I just die. <coughs> if you oh, catch him at the corner so of your eye and you're in five guys, you say and add another burger so that will we'll double up today. I, I, I was genuinely just going to say I'm probably going to an extra party on. <laughs> even if it's already a double if he's paying for it just be dog me a triple mate it's fine I never had a triple from five guys once and it was a big 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 burger Cape Fear 2 is just reversed it's just you looking for Max Cady in restaurants <laughs> and just sneaking in so he can buy your meal scrolling around everywhere I can go and just be like yep go on give us that you see him at a five-star restaurant. <laughs> You're just rubbing your hands together. Oh yes, we're in business, boys. Yeah, the steakhouse, and I'm suddenly ordering seven different sides. <laughs> well, I think that's worse than the Home Alone turning the taps on. Like you're running up the water bill in that scenario, and that, you're supposed to be laughing at that. Him <laughs> just covering your tab. Yeah. He, he covers. He covers a whole family's tab in an ice cream parlor. I mean, is he really the hero until this goes wrong? I All mean, these people not acknowledging the fact that he's covering he's covering their bills is what drives him mental. So there is like I don't really know how to describe this. There are points in the film where you it's obviously played for you to feel bad for him. Obviously yep. he does an awful lot wrong. It's just yeah, creepy as shit. But when you find out that the, like they cover up the defense and stuff, blah blah blah. She never actually because it's only right at the end when he gives him the mock trial. He's like, yeah, but you you bragged to me that you you got away with it. You've gotten away with this twice. Um, you've gotten away with it twice before. And that's why I sent you away because you were a horrible, evil piece of shit. Well, at say. that point, at that point, I was like, Sam, 
I've got to say, Keenan, like right at the start of the film, when he's explaining the evidence that he's got rid of, and I think he says like that, was it to say it's one or two girls that he says at the start, doesn't he? He he admitted to me that uh, he'd raped two women, or however he phrases it in there. Mm. And he says, "So what evidence did you conceal?" And he says, well, we had to compile a report and uh, I've got to say the woman was promiscuous. As if that's some big mic drop. (laughs) It's it's a fucking, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? This woman, like Deontay Wilder, has got a few bodies on her record. And suddenly the courts are going to go, well, you know what? She did get him out of it. We're going to let him off. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. But the thing's just ridiculous from the start. The worst thing is there was a time I don't know. I hope with every cell of my body that it's no longer the case. But there was a time when that was a practice. So you think it, it watches it watches worse now? Well, I fucking hope it does. I don't like. Thankfully, I'm touchwood well, so- to ever that it's no longer it's no longer the case. But there was a time where a woman's history would have been considered in a case like that, which so is I- the most mental thing in the world. So at the end of the film, when he kind of yells out, um, but that doesn't mean she deserves to be raped, I think he says. That is what he says, yeah. Um, no one. Do you think that was a mic drop it, moment in, like, 91? Like, that's I'm like not a big, sure about, big no, I'm, not, I'm, not sure about, I'm not sure about 91. I'm just possibly saying more of... We think, like, like, just to I mean, take UK law, for example, I'm pretty sure that rape of a spouse wasn't a crime until the 90s. Yeah, that's rough. Do you want, like there are what I'm saying is there was a time where No, no, I get what you're saying. About where where I don't like I said, I don't know if they are I'm not a solicitor. I, I, I mean, it's not something I ever hope to ever be involved in in for obvious reasons on, on on any side of it. It's just horrendous. But the the yeah, the thing of that doesn't mean she deserves to be raped. The problem is that's actually a qualifying statement. So what what you're essentially saying is there is a criteria, and it's like that like that statement should read, no one deserves that because no one has ever or ever will deserve that. His character just, is is just shit. Like there's got to be a point of view in, in that final mode. scene where you're saying like, horrible. can they all drown? Like I've got no issue here if you all drown. Juliet Lewis maybe she's young. She'll like, no she, no she, she, she's not evil. The point I was done with her was when the dad is saying, did he touch you? And she's just smirking at him <laughs> with, the, with it, like a Cheshire cat, but she's doing like the Thierry Henry smile where she's trying to like, hold it back. And then he's saying, did he touch you? The hand over the mouth thing's weird, by the way. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just trying to know. We're talking about seeing weird. But she she's she she's shocked at that point. Like, where has this come from? And it's like, read the room here. That's the dad, supposed to show the, that there's a serial to show the in, infatuation, isn't it? Oh, I know, but it's 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 bizarre. Like her in that moment is. Like, that's when you would. That's when you. You call the mum in there, and the hands are thrown. Like <laughs> you've got some nerve in my house. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I mean, if 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 Nick Nolte and, and De Niro are both drowning that scene, I'm probably cheering. The mum doesn't do. I mean, she doesn't do an awful lot wrong, does she? 
No, no. Uh, like, I, I did find out it. that her husband basically wants to cheat on her, and like his defences are. You're asking if I did. I didn't. Not that he wasn't about it. He's just worried. He, he literally says for he's worried about getting caught. My He's, wife doesn't know you exist. Was the there a part a of you in the scene where uh, the wife is kind of sticking it on him? Where you're thinking, is this the time? Is this the time for this? Yeah, I did actually. And I, I, he says, I don't know, he's like, why are you dragging out the past? I mean, we've got someone who's evidently trying to ruin our lives. Let's just, let's get out of this one and we'll talk about it. I know they don't want to scare the daughter, but there's got to be a point where you're telling her not to leave the house, but are concealing the fact as to why that there is a serial rapist on the loose. And you're like, well, just do me a favour and just stay indoors, will you? No, I think you, you, you sort of sit down and like, this is crap. This and is having having been told doing. this, she's like, but you know what? He's a good-looking guy. Mm. Yeah, just it's just a fucking weird film, isn't it? Yeah, very, 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 very bizarre. I've ne- I've never seen the original, and now that I've seen this, part of me wants to watch the original to see. I I read that it's far um, like darker think- in the tone. Really? Yeah, like it's not so. I don't know if this is supposed to be playful, but it comes off that way. But um, yeah, there's far less of that in the original, supposedly. They also take um, the guy that the the two main guys from that, and they're on the opposite sides in cameo roles in this film. Yeah, one of them's a copper, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah, Gregory Peck's in the original. Isn't it? So interesting. Yeah. Um, do you want to go on to our second film? Yes, please. Okay. When it's done, I'm going to look you in the eyes and I'm going to see how empty they are without your son in the world. Sean's going to come after you, Michael. You ever want to see your family again? Leave now. I got a job for you. What are their names? Listen to your father for one night. One night. Run all night. Rated R. Now playing. So, run all night. The synopsis. Mobster and hitman Jimmy Conlon has one night to figure out where his loyalties lie. With his estranged son, Mike, whose son's in danger, or his longtime best friend, mob boss Sean McGuire, who wants Mike to pay for the death of his own son. Dare I ask what you think the critics thought of this? This gets slaughtered, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll, I'll take you through. Um, at this point, there is just one Liam Neeson movie taking a non-stop run all night to Walk Among the Tombstones 3. Please don't have a reference Walk Among the Tombstones. <laughs> well, this is, this is around that time. Um yeah. Run All Night is a fine, if flawed, addition to the ever-growing catalogue of exploitation films. Exploitation. <laughs> oh, I love it. I saw um, one review that referenced um, him trying to transform into the Irish Bronson. 
and that's all this uh, kind of catalogue of films was. Um, the movie is a predictable, uh, sorry, the movie is predictable and obvious, and it also feels a bit long. But who cares? It's a fun action flick with Neeson doing what he does best these days, yielding satisfying results. That's exactly how I feel about this film. Yeah, I think that's fair. For the most part, it's a film about Neeson punching and shooting people while looking a bit bedraggled and a touch hungover. Ronald Knight is a taut, edgy affair that features Neeson in peak action form and allows him to partially atone for the indignity of Taken 3. People were really sick of him after Taken 3. No, oh, man, broke me. I know I saw Taken 1. We... Huh? No, no, I know I slaughtered it when we did it on the pod, but when I watched Taken the first time, I thought it was great. I said that on the pod. I saw one review and it just said, it's like John Wick, but not. See, I actually thought this as I was walking home today <laughs> from work. I was trying to, like, if you ask me to describe this, it's basically just a mix of John Wick 1 and 2. Yes, I'm a hitman, but I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, and then, oh, shit, someone I, something I love is in danger. But, but, but it's just a mix, and then from the other side, the John two, John Wick 2 comes in because the bad guy's son, or in, obviously in the case of John Wick, is his nephew, but he's done. Nephew and brother, sorry, and then he's done, and then it's blah, 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 and it's here, there, and everywhere. Um, a nice place to start, because it crosses over with our last film, but um, listed among the cast when the film was in production was Nick Nolte, who had much of his material cut from the final release, and so as such, he's uncredited for his brief appearance. Plays the brother, doesn't he? Yeah, strange though, um, because they he is kind of included, isn't he? Like, there's going to have been some build-up to this, and then he's going to have a bit more to do, but he's literally just in one scene, drops a bombshell, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at yeah, one point... About him popping up at the end and little, little family team-up. Yeah. Excuse me. At one point during a street chase, Jimmy runs past a billboard for Mad Max Fury Road. That film was also produced by the same studio and was scored by the same composer. The trailer for the film was attached to all release copies of this film. So, advertising in a current release. I like it. Yeah, it's quite cool, actually. You've got got to make it obvious if you're going to do that, haven't you? I I quite like it as... Something in the background. Like, would you have wanted a, like a close-up of a Mad Max billboard? Well, I don't, no, I don't fucking want God, I wish the film didn't exist. Yeah. But, um, like, for, I, I don't know, maybe subliminal, maybe I'm t- too taken in by subliminal advertising to realise it's, it's even, yeah. to, to even sort of comprehend it. But I don't know if I was doing it, I'd want him, he wouldn't be running past it, he'd be walking past it. Yeah. Um, one of the things from uh, Nick Nolte's character, Mike, no, sorry, from Mike tells Eddie, Nick Nolte's character, that uh, Roy DeMeo's boys killed Billy. Roy DeMeo was a real hitman for the Gambino family in charge of his own crew. Ironically, Roy DeMeo was murdered by his own crew at mob boss Paul Castellano's orders. So, a bit of synergy there.
there's a couple of mob references in this. I just didn't take them all down, but that one worked quite well. Yeah. So that's literally all the trivia uh, there was for this. Um, did you like the film? I know you'd seen it yeah. before, but did you like it on the rewatch? Yes. This More or less than expected? Mod. About the same. I have seen this one three times. Mod. Okay. I liked it more than I expected on the rewatch. Okay, nice. I thought the the review that you said was accurate. I also agreed where it was like, yeah, he, I knew what this was going into it. I watched this at the cinema. I knew what I was signing up for. I got what I signed up for pretty much. And I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand times more. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it. No, I mean, I, I wish we could just permanently get rid of the showing the main character half dead at the start of a film with a little monologue around it. Um, but other than that, yeah, no real issue. You're not a fan of that. I bet, I, I bet you're wondering how I got here, no? No, no. Or at least do it a bit more creatively than you in the woods. Like, I've made some bad choices in my time. This is how I make up for them. And then pan to a broken home. Fair enough. There's a couple of things in there where they try to like uh, save you 10 minutes of dialogue explaining where it's like, yeah, look, I know you've not seen him for 10 years, but I just wonder. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you do need you do need the expository stuff because you don't I don't need you don't want the 10, 10 minutes of dialogue do you? No, it just sounds a bit cheesy, but you know oh, what it's it you know what it's there for. Yeah, I know. I, I I think you need it because I don't like when they do it two or three times. Does this film, in all in all seriousness, need another thirty five minutes on it? Probably. No, not. no. Um, I thought right from the jump, um, this has a kind of. Uh, comic book slash video game aesthetic to it with the transition shots they kind of start like a low pan across the ground almost like google street view and then it like zooms up for a moving aerial shot as if it switched to google earth um yeah and I did that a couple of times they did it at the start of hostage if you recall yes they do so it kind of maybe it's just a little uh kind of actiony thing but no i, I quite liked it. it it felt like something out of like a hitman game God, I used to love them. I've only played like a demo of the one, but that stuck with me, the kind of pre-mission things like that. I used to love them. Right. One of the biggest things I noted down, um, Liam Neeson seemed a bit too sharp after his first memorable portion um, with like drunk Jimmy. Like he wakes up as a drunk, he does the whole Santa thing. And after that, he's like, Look, this is all it took to wake me up. Looking after my son, I'm now no longer a drunk. My reflexes are back. <laughs> Everything's perfect again. He does come back from the bed very quickly, yeah. <laughs> he puts down a drink for 12 hours and suddenly he's fucking John Wick. So what some people are telling you, a cold shower would do for you on a hangover. Like he's just rejuvenated and yeah. all of a sudden he's just back in his... A bit of radox on the muscles and he's good <laughs> yeah. to go. Um... Is it insulting to just call this a straightforward action movie? No, that's exactly what it is. You've got your car chases, haven't you? You've got some corrupt cops. Um, 
You've got oh, a hitman, you've... you've got a mob boss. Yeah, common as a hitman, by the way. Um, do you think that character was needed? No, but uh, I mean, this is post John Wick. No, wait, when's this? 2015. So this is probably pre John Wick 2, right? Yeah. Sure. But he obviously does enough in it because he gets a job in John Wick too. Do you, because uh, a criticism, and these aren't really criticisms in comparison to um, Cape Fear, and I must confess my expectations for Cape Fear were a lot higher than they were um, for Run All Night, but when you're selling the film as kind of these two mob kingpins, the, the hitman and the boss kind of going against each other, to have then the boss's death feel largely so insignificant. Yeah. Like it, it kills him and then he just kind of moves on. And it's like, okay, we've got bigger fish to fry. Go back and he's got another battle to win. It just felt a bit... Uh, I don't know, even the fact that the final scenes were in the day, like running around the train tracks at night felt so much more dramatic. Always does do that. Yeah, that's a big chunk. criticism. No, I I get it. I don't know. In the woods in the day, feels right. You know, with the fucking wood at night, you can't see shit. You're trying to take some out of a rifle, he ain't doing that. The assassin having about eight shots at Neeson's back and not being able to take him out there and then is a bad look for what's essentially like a talking T1000, the way he's, he's spoken about. No, it's very true. You would expect. Well, yeah. But... He gets up and runs away. <laughs> like He shouldn't be able to be doing like little flips of his shotgun to be able to get ready to take you out. And I would also think a hitman of his uh, abilities should know it's never a good idea to have a catchphrase before you kill someone. You should have killed me when you had the chance. Like, you know what's going to happen. It's like shushing the crowd. Yes, yeah. That's uh, quite a nice comparison, actually. It's because we did Reese James on Monday's podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, just don't do you that. You know, I, I, the, the villain explaining their plan and stuff like that just pisses me off. So, like, <laughs> just, get, just get rid of them. I know you can't make a film that way. Guy with a plan to kill 10 people just doesn't say a word, just pops up in each of their houses and shoots them. That's the end of the film. But that, that's exactly what should happen. I think that was part of the beauty of uh, Game of Thrones in parts was sometimes when they say they were going to kill someone, there really was no build-up and they would just kill someone and it was like, okay, this is how it's actually supposed to happen. Mm, like, fair. if you say you're going to kill someone and you do just kill them straight away, you can probably bank that they weren't the main character you perhaps expected them to be. Okay. No, sir. I've never seen Game of Thrones. Right? No, no, this is outside of Game of Thrones, I'm saying that. Like, in oh, a film, okay. like, if, if someone gets killed with kind of no questions asked, 99% of the time they weren't really a main character? No, no. There's always, there is the build-up to the death. And the, it's this, yeah. it, like, in films like this, it, there's someone dying is, is sort of the, it's just going to be the climax, and you just sort of wait and find out who, who's, the, who's the important one. Um, with Liam Neeson, and we've spoken about this before, we've had Liam Neeson on a plane, we've had Liam Neeson on a train, we've had Liam Neeson sightseeing. Yep. What what do you want to see Liam Neeson do next? Do you want to see Liam Neeson in a submarine? Do you want to see Liam Neeson do like Speed 5? Have we seen Liam Neeson on a boat? 
Um, I don't think we have. Maybe um, we... If you're a studio now, do you think you could make a profit by redoing Speed with Liam Neeson? No. You don't think you make a profit doing that? No. I think, you make, I think you make a horrible amount, like a horribly disgusting high amount doing that. I think that's a moneymaker. I really don't think it is. Give me Liam Neeson in every method of transportation. I just can't see. I just can't see how that makes money. Speed eight. The thing about is Liam Neeson on Heelys. They're young. They're young. They're good looking and they're cool. Liam Neeson is nine of those three things. He's not. He's actually pretty cool. I've just Um, sold. I've just sold you Liam Neeson on Heelys. He's 65 years of age. You might as well put him in jackass fucking 17. Well, I think that's a moneymaker as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that probably does make money. But that that's essentially what you you sort of that's what you're buying for at that stage. I'm gonna be getting in touch with Liam Neeson's people after this and um you may have uh, made your bed here. I uh, feel bad saying. Maybe I'll let you be a, a showrunner or something. Well, it doesn't involve any actual run. No, I'm not sure you're in for the big bucks after pouring uh, cold water on this idea. Okay. I'm, not, I'm, I'm actually okay with all of that. So many ideas. Like, what if we put Liam Neeson on the Titanic? It's a bit of a bath when we know how that one ends. Well, this time it doesn't. This time, Liam Neeson detonates <laughs> the iceberg. I'm not sure because I see some of the things in the cinemas these days. If Channing Tatum in a Land Rover with his dog is going to make money, Liam Neeson saving Jack and Rose is going to make money. Channing Tatum has one thing that Liam Neeson doesn't. Don't say it. What do you think I'm going to say? You're going to say looks. Yes, yes I am. Are you running a tap? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I said you're pouring cold water on my ideas and you're literally pouring cold water on my ideas. Oh, I was just running a tap. Um, uh, I was going to ask you something else. I mean, this is completely separate, but it is a movie podcast, so I can get away with it. Have you seen The Godfather Coda, as it's referred to? Oh, sorry? The Godfather Coda. It's like the edited version of The Godfather 3 that they put out. Uh, No, no, I haven't. uh, So they're they're re-releasing that in cinemas at the end of the month. They're re-releasing Godfather 2, actually, um... Uh, during race week, unfortunately. Um, well, you declined my offer to go and see the first one. So, in the way, in the end, to be honest, um, I thought Taylor Catterall was going to be a walkover, and it wasn't. So, I am quite pleased I did see that um, for what it's worth. But I uh, know my question to you was going to be how different um, it was. So, as you've not seen it, 
there's my answer. No, no, no. I basically no, don't no. know if, if I should watch Godfather 3 properly first before I watch the edited version. Yes, yeah, you should. Because as far as I'm aware, um, whatever the ending of Godfather 3 is, they do the opposite in this one. So whether he lives or dies, they do the opposite as the ending in this edited version. Okay. Uh, I think you should watch The Godfather 3. Yeah, it's I've called um, it Godfather Coda, uh, The Death of Michael Corleone is um, what it's uh, down as. They're showing it, I think it's uh, the 30th of March, maybe it's a Wednesday. But okay. they're actually only showing it in Cheltenham as well. Yeah, uh, yeah that is the Wednesday of race week, though, isn't it? No, the, the 30th. Oh, 30th, sorry. Yeah, so, uh, yeah the race week uh, is the 16th is when they're showing Godfather 2. I actually have plans on the 30th yeah. of March. Oh, what are you doing 30th of March? Dare I ask? Playing skills. Oh. Last game of the season, boys might win boys the league. Boys glamorous. Um, it will be glamorous when the Atlas win the league. Let's see. Um, do you have anything else to say about run all night? Because I feel like... No, it's... And I, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I actually sort of think... I don't know how to say this because it's going to make no, no sense whatsoever. A film that should be this or is meant to be this. These days, because there's so many of them, should be, for the most part, is going to be unremarkable. And that doesn't mean it's a good or a bad film, but only an exceptional version of it, like John Wick, for example, is really, or an exceptionally bad version of it, is it, it is incredibly noteworthy. Yeah, you get a lot of the tropes in here. You know, they they pick their version of the the mob. In this case, obviously, it's Irish because it's Liam Neeson. Um, you don't need to see him playing in an Italian. I've got to be honest. Um, and all the tropes that you think are going to be there, the the the, the estranged family, the revenge element, that they're they're all there. And it, it sort of just, if you were doing a tick box exercise, it probably ticks 90% of them. Yeah, 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 I agree with you. I mean, it may go through to the next round yet, and uh, you'll have to find something more to say about it. But, um, That's absolutely we'll fine. I just, I don't, I don't know. I mean, do you? Do you? I, I, I do, I think. No, this I mean, is I exactly think... what I, if I read, if I read the synopsis and then saw the film, I'd be like, yep, okay. That's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was I was I was looking forward to seeing it. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel like um, kind of a lot of what we've said about it, we, we probably said when we did Taken and the yeah. various podcasts after that. But um, we'll see how we go. Which film did you prefer? Uh, Run All Night, mate. I agree with you. Did you feel that was more rewatchable as well? Fuck it, I won't be, I won't be rewatching Cape Fear. <laughs> you um, put that onto my list of films that I have to see for the pod will never be watched again alongside Dread. Some of the other shit. <laughs> Do not put Dread in the Cape Fear bracket. <laughs> you take that back. They're, exa- they're, they're exactly the same in my eyes. No, they're they not. Never, they're you know they're not. If I had to tell you, if I told you you had to rewatch one, I'm fairly confident it would be Dread. I'm, I'm taking Cape Fear. <laughs> no, you're not. I know you're not. You're trying I'll to join me up. Fear. No, you're not. 
I, am, I promise you. I'm but taking Kate This is a man who watched Star Wars a few times after his critique, so uh, don't let don't anyone here believe a word he says. Don't know why you think that's funny. I've never, I've never, I haven't seen. You have. I haven't seen the new ones. I've seen the first six. <laughs> he hates Star Wars, but he's seen the first six. Yeah. Mate, um, Phantom Menace in '99. I was four. I watched it in the watched it in the cinema with my mum and dad. Well, which is the best moment slash scene across these two films? Promise the ending to Kate Fear so long ago. Uh, for Kate Fear, the best moment slash scene is um, the fight in the alley. Um, run all night. Probably the scene in the woods. I'm taking. Um... The... And the scene in the woods window for me, sorry, just to clarify. Okay, um, I'm taking the first fight scene with um, the Ukrainians and uh, the boss's son. Yeah, fair. With him going out to the car and getting popped. I'm glad he dies in this because he's a very weak link. Yeah. He's not great. Um, say that. Best quote. It's probably something that Max Cady says, to be honest. When he talks about... I do like the... When he starts quoting, I, I, I am God. And he's quoting the philosopher. So you're going Cape Fear, are you? Yeah, I believe so. I was just having a quick look to see if uh, anything stood out. I've usually got one down in my notes. Uh, um... It's not necessary to lay a foul tongue on me, my friend. I could get upset and things could get out of hand. Then in self-defence, I could do something to you that you would not like right here. Every man must go through hell to reach paradise. Mm. In Run All Night, did you think whenever we cross that line, we're going to cross that line together, was worthy of being repeated 19 times. Shows the bond. I didn't think it was a cool enough line to be repeated that many times. Shows the bond. I think I'm going to go for every man has to go through hell to reach paradise. Well, pardon me all over the place. I did enjoy as well, actually. Um, MVP. Jimmy Conlon. Yeah, hard to disagree. Best side character? Sean McGuire or Common. Well, the little kid. Side characters. No, I don't really Legs. have any of the side characters in um, it's Cape Fear. Oh, that run all night. Not bad. Oh, no, no, I know you are. I'm just saying. But I've given you my answer. The worst private eye ever. Fucking shite, man, to be honest. <laughs> He's caught in about 10 seconds. <laughs> well, the extent of his private eye was I can see him. Now, I'd probably advise taking him out. 
Oh, cheers. Thanks for that expert breakdown. Uh, a, lot, you... a lot of people telling him to get rid of him, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> should have listened. He should have listened, to be honest. Which had you more on the edge of your seat? Horrendously. I do mean horrendously, considering I've seen it before. Run all night. Okay, until, the end of, until the <laughs> end of Cape Fear and the bit on the boat. Even uh, I knew, actually, I knew, I knew he died, so that didn't do a lot for me. I'll go Cape Fear, but I don't feel good about it, to be honest. Which has more action per minute? I don't know. Agreed. Best soundtrack? Do you like Fairy Tale? I actually really liked so Cape Fear, I really liked the soundtrack. That one of in there. Well, I yeah, I'm going to go Cape Fear. Did you like Ferris Hill in New York in uh, Run All Night? Just to really hammer home that he is Irish. Yeah, I know. That did crack me. Uh, yeah, Cape Fear. Which was more original? Cape Fear, even though it's a remake. <laughs> which is funny. Um, bigger Impact? Cape Fear. Best opening scene is Cape Fear for me. Yeah, it is Cape Fear. Even though I immediately sort of fucked it off after that moment. <laughs> uh, best ending. <laughs> Run all night, man. It's just that, uh, uh, that ending is just fucking loose. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, best chemistry. Um, that's a good question. Uh, but I, I struggled with this one. To be I'm fair. going red uh, all night. Just see so you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that. I honestly felt until the end of Cape Fear that nobody in there even cared if the other ones died. There was just such a disconnect. Yeah, let me tally this up. It's not a lie. 8-3 in the end to run all night so we best find some more things to say about run all night because that is going through to the next round I feel like we'll be deemed as disrespectful to Scorsese but it's just it's just hey, look, if you don't want to be disrespected make a better film of all the films you want to remake why the hell did he pick this one well it sounds as though this was sort of picked for him from what he was saying he still agreed it oh yeah but they offered him that deal what do you want I wanted a better film, to be honest. But... Oh, yeah, fair enough. I can't argue with that. There we go, because if you Google Cape Fear, there's people saying um, Max Cady is the greatest uh, villain of all time. So some That's people some do... Bat- Bullshit. Well, um, some people do go nuts for Scorsese and will defend anything he does, so... I'm normally one of them. Yeah, even and even this, even this was too much. Fucking bridge too far. Hey, uh, we did, we did, we did Hannibal. We did Silence of the Lambs last week. Yep. Both Buffalo Bill and Hannibal Lecter are better villains. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Do you know? Right, come on now. Such a wild shot. Um, so there we go. Run all night does go through to the next round. As mentioned earlier, I believe there will be no movie madness podcast next week. If all goes to plan, then there will be some kind of episode on the channel dropping on friday uh so there will be something there just it won't be a movie madness episode 
or maybe if nothing happens, I'll get an interview together or something. There'll be something on the feed next Friday. Why don't you Friday. just slice together my? Why don't you just slice together my hundred best quotes? Well, if you want to put something together, then uh, you can do so. I talk too much to know why, actually, sir. But we're away for one week, but then we are then back with a huge episode. We've got The Godfather Part 1 against The Business. I feel like we've disrespected both films in such different ways. What? The Godfather <laughs> and The Business? Yeah, it's just The Business isn't a big enough film for The Godfather. And it feels like he should have something that's got more gravitas to it as a matchup. And on the other hand, this is genuinely like this is this should be this should be Everton Ball and Wood, basically. These are preliminary matchups. This is to get to the dance. So I know. perfectly so fair matchup. This is what I'm saying. It feels like Everton it feels it feels like Everton Ball and Wood, basically. In the way that should go. And um I do know for sure that TK will be on that episode, so there will be oh, look, look three, strolling back. Three of us there. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, thank you again for anyone that has listened to this week's episode. If you think that we disres- disrespected Cape Fear, get a better taste in films. And to be fair, we've probably disrespected worse, so you should have seen it coming. Uh, if you are interested in investing in my Liam Neeson speed idea, not Liam Neeson on speed, fucking um, no one needs to see that. <laughs> then I will put my PayPal in the. Uh, episode links so uh feel free to send something over there and we'll get a script to uh mr neeson thank you again we'll be back goodbye